Faith Factor Impact, Episode 18. Hey everybody, welcome to Faith Factor Impact, where we hang out with today's top nonprofit thought leaders to get refueled, reconnected, and inspiration. So let's go. Perfection is not our goal. And if you're not making mistakes, you're not learning anything. Hello, Impact listeners. Jay Everline here, your host, and I am so excited today to present to you our featured guest, Nancy Levicki. Hey, Nancy, welcome to the show. Good morning, Jay. Nice to speak to you. Wonderful. Nancy Levicki is the co-founder and president of Dress for Success Houston and has provided business attire, job retention, and career advancement services to more than 36,000 women in the Houston community. Nancy and Dress for Success have received countless awards and recognition, which include Nancy being named 50 of the most influential women in Houston and a recipient of Oprah's Big Give. Nancy is a top-notch thought leader who's doing work that matters and making an impact. So, Nancy, I'm thrilled to have you on the show today. Excited about joining you there in Houston, Texas. We like to say we kick back and have a cup of coffee and have a conversation that people might want to tune into. And so, welcome and um, just happy to have you here. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be visiting with you and your and your listeners. Wonderful. So, Nancy, we always like to stop, start the top of our show off with a reflection. It's this moment to just quiet the noise get centered, and kind of get focused on what we uh, are going to do at the top of the show. I know you've got a good one for us, so why don't you just take it away and share your reflection? Well, I start every morning with a reflection uh, and try to do a little meditation exactly for that reason, to calm my head and clear my head uh, for the day. And today what I took away from the reading was the phrase, trust me, and don't be afraid. And I, I have lived with uh, a challenge uh, often of fighting back fear. Uh, I think fear is uh, one of the great um, uh, killers of any initiative. And certainly from the beginning of Dress for Success, I've had more than my fair share of moments uh, in a startup situation, which is what we were uh, when we were suiting 117 women a year uh, out at I-45 North in Little York, and how were we going to grow? But that trusting uh, and feeling confident that what you're doing is making a difference in the community um, always pushed me forward and continues to push me forward. I like that so much. Some time ago, I learned an acronym for fear is the false evidence appearing real. Um, it's something that looks real, feels real, uh, but, but, but really it's, it's false. And if we can just push past that fear, as you noted, um, it helps us to be more creative, uh, generate more ideas, get past those rough spots that we have in our life. And so such a great reflection to start us off. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I love the fact that that's how you start your day. I think that's really cool and uh, probably has, has been a big part of uh, your success in your life and, uh, your ability to uh, uh, to keep moving forward. So good stuff. Thanks well, for sharing that. Well, I think, I think one of the challenges for all of us in leadership uh, is having a clear mind. Uh, uh, our days and our, our minds get cluttered with um, so much outside stimulation uh, that those moments of silence are, are really important. 
And um, as my mother told me, if you're doing all the talking, you're learning nothing. Mm. So I try to have moments when I'm silent so that I can get direction. Nice. I love that. So, Nancy, you've got uh, an amazing story. You all are serving a tremendous amount of people. I understand that you will um, you have a goal this year of serving twenty eight hundred women in Houston. Did I get that correct? That is correct. And And we're we're serving twenty eight hundred unduplicated women. So those twenty eight hundred women, Jay, will receive over twelve thousand units of service. In the year 2016. So, um, you know, Dress for Success isn't just about landing a job. It's about helping these women actually build a career. I love that. You guys are making such a huge difference. And so I want to learn more. I want to dig into to your journey and to your story. I want to get to know you a little bit more, Nancy, um, who you are as a person. Uh, and then, of course, about your journey as being a nonprofit leader. But kind of give us a glimpse into Nancy, Nancy's life. Uh, who, who are you? Well, currently, I'm a, a, a senior woman uh, who... Um, almost 20 years ago, um, was a mom uh, and a wife, and um, my younger child was going off to college, and I was searching not for a job, but I was searching for a passion. And uh, I actually, for the first time in my life that 20 years ago, is when I experienced um, the creation of the habit of being quiet every single day uh, because I was really searching, Jay, as to what I was going to do with what I gingerly referred to the middle part of my life. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe uh, Dress for Success is an answer to that prayer. Um, I uh, was the couture buyer for Sackowitz many years ago, and when I raised my my daughters, uh, I was a volunteer, very active volunteer in the Houston community and raised a lot of money for a lot of different organizations. And I loved that. I loved um, making a difference in the community. But what I found was missing for me was I wanted more of a hands-on situation instead of raising money and giving an organization a check. I wanted that experience of making a difference eye to eye uh, with another woman. And I read an article in the New York Times uh, about a young woman, also named Nancy, who had got together with two nuns in Spanish Harlem. And she asked, Nancy asked the sisters what was missing in moving women from welfare to work. And what they shared with her was the fact that more often than not, a woman was limited to the type of job she could interview for, not by her skills, but by the clothing that she owned. Mm. And this absolutely resonated with me because of my background in retail. And I knew that feeling of how a woman or a man, for that matter, uh, you put on a great um, outfit, you look in the mirror and you square your shoulders and um, you see yourself in a different light. Mm -hmm. It's that confidence boost uh, that we all get. And so it resonated with me and basically contacted Nancy in New York. And uh, back then, uh, there was no application process. Uh, 
she just said, sounds great. Houston was the third side up. And the first over, over the first year, we operated as a 100% volunteer organization, and we served 117 women. And from the moment I served the first woman, I fell in love. Mm-hmm. I love what I do, and um, it's a privilege to serve these women and um, to make a difference because I truly believe that when you change a woman's life, um, you impact her, of course, but you impact her family, you impact her children particularly, and you impact this great community that we all call home. It's it's clear, it's obvious that you love what you do. Uh, you talked about that before we uh, kicked off the conversation here in our pre-conversation, and um, that that's such a big deal. It's such a big deal. And, and, and oh, such a gift. Yeah. yeah, it's a total gift. To love what you do every day, oh, I'm the luckiest person alive. Yeah, I like that. Well, this is a perfect, perfect time. I mean, we one of the catalysts for our show is that we like to bring folks on that we say have this faith factor. You're you're making a difference in your community. It's your why. It's the thing that you believe is bigger than yourself. And so you probably already hinted that just a little bit, but what's that faith factor for you? When you look, in, look at the work that you do, is there something in particular that just – really is like, this is the reason why I get up every morning. Oh, no question. And, and that faith factor is, the, is what I just alluded to, um, the privilege that I feel um, I've experienced by having the opportunity to watch uh, a woman walk through our doors, um, sh- sh- shoulders slumped, um, very nervous, not knowing what to expect with their experience with Dress for Success and watching them unfold um, as they meet with their personal shopper and they uh, get to select, you know, the, the suit that is perfect for them with all the accessories, you know, topped off with pearls and pearl earrings and so many times of putting those pearls on a woman and watching tears well in their eyes because for the first time perhaps in their life they look at themselves with new expectations they look at themselves with possibilities they look at themselves in the mirror and say things like i already look like i have the job Mm. and it's it's being able to witness that unfolding of confidence in a person And that's just the genesis. That's the genesis of what we do is that gently used suit that's been in someone else's closet and is the beginning of pushing them down a path that leads to self-sufficiency. There is nothing quite like it in my life. It's such a privilege. Well, I mean, you guys are changing people's lives and that – and mm-hmm. that is something to get behind. When I first heard about Dress for Success and heard about you and what you were doing in Houston, uh, just floored me. And I said to myself, I've got to have Nancy on the show. So many oh, people that can you. be inspired by her story. And you've got an amazing story. You you hinted at a few things that I want to get into so bad, but I'm going to hold back because I want to kind of make you real. Right now, you you uh, you obviously are humble and, and all of that, but you kind of sound like a superstar uh, with all of the people that oh, you've served. I don't know about so, that. Well, you do. And, and, you, and you are. And we like 
like to we like to um, to kind of help people bridge the gap between what they hear and thinking that they could never get there by asking you about your valley moment. There have been some rough times. There have been some challenges along your way from your early beginnings. And so can you talk to us about a moment, a valley moment that you had along your journey that uh, you learned some things from? What was it about? Kind of take us there and we want to experience it like you did. Well, on a personal note, um, Dress for Success was, as you mentioned, um, founded in 1998. Um, in 2008, as you remember, the economy um, was uh, declining yeah. significantly throughout the country. Uh, on a personal note, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. The third, the third part of the triangle is we had embarked at Dress for Success on a capital campaign to build um, a new property. Uh, and I can remember vividly my late husband saying to me, you know, you can't quit. And me saying, you know, but I want to be with you. I don't. You know, I, I, I do want to quit. And he really encouraged me to stay on. I talked to the board of Dress for Success. We postponed the campaign until 2010 because of the economy, not because of Jimmy's illness. But in that period of time, I was able to spend the quality time I wanted to spend with him. Mm-hmm. And then in 2010, the board was ready to launch the campaign. And I can remember clearly uh, throwing up a prayer and telling God, okay, this is the deal. Either you make this really easy or it's not going to happen because I'm running on vapors. Mm. And in 15 months, Dress for Success Houston raised $6.7 million Wow! from... 55 individuals or corporations or foundations. This was a campaign for whatever economy we had been in, much less a weak economy for the record books. And that was my valley moment. And it was also the high point of my life simultaneously. Because while I was losing my husband to a terrible disease, we were building up dress for success to be in a position where we could help not hundreds of women, but thousands of women. Such amazing story. It's Res- unbelievable. Resilient. Yeah. And you're the support of your husband in a moment of weakness at his, in his, in his personal health, um, his, his uh, selflessness to say, keep going. It, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Um, there was some tough times there. Obviously, it was your valley moment, but also you came out of that um, with such victory. And uh, that's uh, that's so awesome. And this is why we, we share this with folks. Um, we ask people to share that valley moment because... You know, in our in our world today, there's there's um, uh, what I call the social media crave. I mean, everything 
uh, on social media is is people want to look good and that's good but it gives us this perception that we don't have any problems and uh, people think that's how life is but life has its moments and um the the deal is that you got to got to figure out how to work through them and and so we thank you for telling us how you got through it how you had the support system around you to to keep moving on and so i, I would encourage and invite people that are that folks that are listening in uh to to be sure you've got people in your circle who can encourage you who can motivate you who will stick in your corner even when times are rough you need that uh, absolutely and one of, one of the things that you you mentioned that's it's it's, uh, I think, such a disease in our society is the perfection factor. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this idea that um, any of us are perfect uh, is, is such a misconception. And perfection should never be a goal. Uh, I think that being good at something is very important. I think trying to be perfect at something paralyzes more people than it helps Mm -hmm. because if you seek absolute perfection you're basically saying i'm not going to make any mistakes Mm -hmm. and if you're not making mistakes you're not learning anything Mm -hmm. so um, that is something that you know i really talk to the women young women that i work with and say you know perfection is not our goal you know we we just want to we want to do the best we can and we we want to treat every single individual with dignity and respect, regardless of what the situation is. And that's our goal. So I really encourage people to get rid of the P word. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's um, I don't think it's helpful. So good. If you're not making mistakes, you're not learning anything. Words of the wise. So, Nancy, we 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 talk a lot about leadership here. And, you know, we we really specifically target folks that are in a nonprofit space, either hasn't have an aspiration to get into nonprofit leadership or are a nonprofit leader. And so I want to talk a little bit about your perspective on leadership. And there's this moment that I have always been able to identify with leaders that I have come across in, in my life and, and in my journey, there's always this, this moment, this defining moment that kind of influenced your direction as a leader. What was that moment for you? And uh, would you share that with us? I think the biggest challenge for me as a leader was finding a balance between one of my weaknesses, which is I'm a pleaser I, I want to make everybody happy and being a leader because I found that if my focus was on making everybody happy, I was going to be a terrible failure. I was a terrible failure uh, in the beginning at a number of things. And I think that I became a better leader when I realized that my job was to deliver the mission of Dress for Success in a manner that, as I just said, exemplified dignity and respect Mm -hmm. for all. And that moment when I wasn't so consumed what everybody else thought of every decision that I was making, whether it's my board, whether it was staff, whether it's volunteers, I had to have the courage, number one, to make myself vulnerable to all these people by 
standing by what I believed was the right thing to do. I encouraged a lot of conversation. I think conversation and input from your staff is terrifically important. But at the end of the day, someone has to make a decision on direction. Right. And that's my job. And I think developing developing a thicker skin personally so that I didn't so I didn't let it hurt my feelings and blind me and yet still be vulnerable enough to listen and to change my mind when it made sense to do it. And this may be too convoluted for you, Jay, but I I think so many of our leaders um, are afraid to have the courage, again, to fail Mm -hmm. and to take the responsibility for it. Um, You can always blame someone else uh, for an idea. Everything's It's easy to be a leader when everything's going great. Right. that's a no-brainer. You know, people are doing their job. Everybody's performing as they should. But what, what, when, what happens when somebody who's really a good person, but it's a bad fit, mm-hmm. they're not doing their job? That is very difficult for me to, after, after coaching, after many ideas, to finally say to somebody, you know what? You're terrific. But this is not a good fit for you or for the agency mm. and help them find what what they should be doing. I, I think that arena is probably one of the biggest challenges in the nonprofit world. Typically, we're, we're not a huge staff. We're, we're a staff of 11. Um, typically, in the nonprofit world, your, your salary range is not what it is in the for-profit world. Right. So it... It is a different way of leadership. You are probably more inclusive. Certainly, it's not a pyramid, that's for sure, because everybody has a place at the table. You just have to figure out where everybody's supposed to sit, and everybody's input is terrifically important, but that leader still has to make the tough decisions, and I find that challenging. Yeah. Was there a certain point um, as you as you unfolded that and you had that introspection? Was there something that happened that kind of brought that forward um, as you kind of worked through that, those emotions? Well, yes. I mean, I used to go home, you know, every day and and um, probably every other day at least. And say to my husband, oh, so-and-so's not, not happy. Oh, so-and-so's not. And Jimmy was really my guide in that arena. And, and he was the one that said, you know, you're either going to make yourself sick or you're going to burn out or, or you, your agency is not going to be successful mm-hmm. if you don't learn to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. He said, you're trying to treat everybody like their friends or their family or the whatever. And it it doesn't translate well without boundaries. Of course you care for these women or you wouldn't hire them. Of course you care for um, your volunteers. Of course you care about your staff. But as the head of a nonprofit, there are just too many people to please. Nobody can do that. Yeah. And Jim was really the one that held up a mirror and said, if you want to be successful, this is not going to work. And, you know, my stomach hurt a lot because, you know, I was making 
somebody unhappy. Yeah. And now, now I still don't like, I would love for everybody to be happy, but I realize it's not my problem, nor is it my job to make everybody happy. That's their job. Everybody, everyone has the responsibility to make sure they're happy in this life. Mm-hmm. No one else can make you happy. Yeah. While you're, while you're saying that, uh, there's a great book that I just want to plug. That it's called Boundaries, in fact, uh, written by Dr. Henry Cloud and uh, Drs. Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Great book for both professional and life and uh, such a, a significant point and message to share with folks uh, to get out of that trap of uh, trying to be a pleaser. There are too many people to try and please in the nonprofit space in particular uh, to, to be caught up in that. And I think that book will help such a great insight. And uh, thank oh, you for sharing that experience. I'm so grateful for your husband. I just want to, I just want to note that I, oh. you know, he's sounds like he's been a significant influencer in, 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 in your life and which um, is awesome. I, I think that oh. speaks a lot to your relationship with him and such a, sounds like yeah. such a great man. Um, he was, he was a great, he was a group, he was a gift. He was totally a gift. And, um, I would not, there's no doubt in my mind, I would not be, uh, where I am today if it were not for his influence. Nice. For sure. So, so ta- let's keep talking about this leadership deal. How do you define effective leadership? What, and, and what would you say, uh, distinguishes the good from the great? Great leaders take the responsibility of having a vision very seriously. <laughs> I think if a leader doesn't know where they want to go, uh, there's no way those people who work with him or the organization um, are going to advance in a significant way. And I'll, I'll use an example of um, our capital campaign. Uh, we were at uh, we began in 1,500 square feet out by the airport. Then we moved to 6,000 square feet on Tacoma and to 90. We were building uh, a building uh, 16,600 square feet inside the loop. That was the, the premise of the campaign. And I, I told the board... If we only want to provide suits for these women, we should stay on Tacoma. We don't need to move. But I knew, and I shared with them, that if we don't develop an educational component to the work that we're doing, these women are never going to be able to advance in a career. Mm -hmm. So the premise was set that when we moved into this building, that we would go beyond the suit and that's the message that I presented to the board and that they bought into now for we've been in this building four years and the expansion of programs is dramatic because of the space we have financial literacy legal literacy health and wellness program mentoring programs, scholarship programs, speak for success. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. We could have never done that mm-hmm. without, without this building, but we could have never gotten this building if I didn't have an awareness 
of where we should be going Mm -hmm. in order to serve women and serve the Houston community better. So more than anything, I think a leader must have a vision and they must be able to communicate that vision. Or I think leadership is weak without that. Great leaders have vision. They know how to communicate that vision effectively. And when they do that well, it leads to the kind of success that Nancy is sharing today. Folks, take a, take some time, develop that vision, understand exactly who it is you want to serve, how you want to serve them, um, and what are the things that you may need to think about different um, as it relates to what that service and those programs look like. Um, that is, that is good stuff. So, so Nancy, we, we always talk about the things that leaders should do, but I like to turn that upside down and turn it on its head and kind of ask you about this perspective of the don'ts of leadership. What are some of the things that you would encourage and advise leaders listening today not to do? You know, Jay, I think one of the most challenging things for a leader now, um, is the millennials. I think that, um, as we, as our workforce shifts and changes, uh, it's it's funny. Yeah, it's communication. Everything's about communication. And um, I think um, if you continue to try to uh, to lead using fear as a tool mm-hmm. uh, or or um, discipline as a tool, uh, oh, I think you're going to fail miserably because mm-hmm. people want to know they are valued. So the minute a person does not feel valued, um, you don't have a good employee. So I think that a good leader, I always like to think about what you should do, I guess, rather than what you shouldn't do. (laughs) Um, If I put it in the don't do's, um, you know, don't be threatening. Don't be... um, so high above everybody else that there's no rapport with you. Don't be isolated. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't be dictatorial. Um, don't be non-inclusive. Finding out what everyone's value is, mm-hmm. is your job as a leader. Yeah. And obviously, if people aren't valuable, they shouldn't be on your team. But we all, different people are valued for different inputs in an organization. And when you don't value people, you will not succeed as a leader. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons we we actually ask the question this way is because sometimes in leadership, you can have blind spots. And uh, unfortunately, what what I think so often happens, particularly when you reach a certain point in leadership, people are afraid to tell you uh, the truth about certain Absolutely. things, particularly from, from your perspective, if you're kind of operating out of this, this, this place of fear and, uh, you're, you're a dictator, if you will, and people don't have freedom, they're no. never going to tell you like that, no. you know, those things because they're afraid to lose their job or they're afraid you're going to be upset with them. And so we like to do this to kind of help people get hints of, Hey, just watch out for this. Uh, right. Because people and, may and also, tell you. if I may add, yeah. Those people do not want you to be a success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's subterfuge that falls within that uh, type of leadership as well. People who people who are who who love their leader, believe in their leader, know their leader, cares about them. Those people want you to be successful. Yep. 
And the opposite is true when they're not treated well. Mm-hmm. Such good stuff. So many don'ts there, folks. Just listen to that. Take personal inventory. Um, and if you're doing any of those items, this is not to condemn you, but to give you uh, some insight and some things to just look out for. So take note. So, so Nancy, we, we believe, I think I've got, I've got this for you and, and we're going to talk about this, but we believe every person is given what we call a genius level talent. And I just like to know what's your genius talent or strength and kind of tell us how you maintain operating and in, in that discipline of, of consistently working in that area of strength. You know, I, I, I think genius talent is, uh, it, it just, I, I take great pause in thinking of genius talent, uh, except in the, in, within the realm of it is a gift. Yeah. But I think, I think my genius talent, a concrete genius talent is raising money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that many people will say to me, oh, I don't know how you raise money. Um, I just could never ask anybody for anything. And I really think that I've been given the ability to communicate, number one, with an individual or a corporation or a foundation and find out, you know, what is it that they're passionate about? And if they are passionate about women and passionate about families and passionate about the concept that everyone that is able must work, then I enjoy showing them what their investment in Dress for Success will reap for our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that this is one of the reasons that Dress for Success has been able to continue to grow, Jay, regardless of what the economy is. Um, I'm able to communicate with corporations that when, when there's um, a decrease in um, jobs uh, and the competition is much keener for every position, that it hurts everybody, but it really hurts our clients. Mm-hmm. And they're worth the investment to keep them afloat and to keep them moving forward with their family. And that may be an unusual thought for a genius talent, no. but without the money, you cannot continue a nonprofit. All the passion in the world is great, mm-hmm. but if you can't pay salaries and you can't pay rent and you can't pay expenses, you're going to be out of business just like any other business. Yeah. Nancy, and, and so, so when I hear people say, you know, who are in the nonprofit, I, I do not want to raise money. Well, then you better have somebody there who's really, really, really good at doing that. Because to me, it has done nothing but enhance my effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nancy, the, you are you are hitting the nail on the head, and I will tell you, nonprofit leaders talk to me all the time. They ask questions all the time about how they can raise more money. Um, and so the fact that you have kind of, pay, I knew you were going to say that. I knew it before you said it. And, oh. and, and I'm so glad that you did. I was hoping you were going to go there. So can I just take a moment? I could spend the rest of the time on uh, today talking about this. There are probably some things you may not even be consciously aware of them, but I want to try to 
pull some of this out of you today. What are some of those things that you do, right? So when you think about approaching someone, how do you find them? What do you say? Um, what's your presentation like? Can you talk kind of kind of walk us through that help some people out that are struggling in this space today we've got a ton of folks listening and uh i'm certain they're just they're dying to hear how you do that well you know i i think awareness jay is so so important um for one thing dress for success by the nature of what we do is often um uh selected to speak at women's events, mm-hmm. um, you know, we 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 want all these donated suits. So we're we're in the public eye, whether it's a corporation, whether it's a a, a luncheon, whether it's a church gathering. Um, we're present uh, in the moment, talking about our need for a gently used suit. So when we attend these events. We need to have our eyes open, our ears open, and be aware of interest levels of different individuals. I always tell the staff, you never know who someone is, what they may be able to do for you, or who they may know that could help you. Mm -hmm. So be mindful of the fact that you're going to have people come across your path who would be enormous assets for the agency. But if you don't engage them in conversation, and by engaging in conversation, it means asking them questions rather than you doing all the talking. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to you never learn anything while you're talking. And you want to know... You need to find out what interests potential donors. And the way you do that is to ask questions. Um, I also think it's terribly important to develop a very strong brand of your nonprofit. Your brand is all you have. So make sure that you develop that brand with the ultimate level of integrity. Because if your brand has great integrity and has earned the respect of others within the community, you're going to have a lot less challenge raising money Mm -hmm. than if you sometimes compromise. Um, and, And let me give you an example of this. Um, this is just for dress for success, but everybody needs to know their mission and they need to know what's good for their mission, what could potentially be bad for their mission in the arena of branding. Um, we have a lot of women uh, at dress for success uh, clients, um, current clients and former clients uh, who have been Uh, In abusive situations, Uh, they're recovering alcoholics, recovering drug addicts. Uh, So although we may have opportunities to, say, have a a big liquor sponsor 
uh, they're offering us money or a restaurant or club that um, is more adult than social. It doesn't matter how much money they offer. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go down that road. Mm-hmm. We perceive that as potentially being bad for our brand. I am not condemning anybody or anything, but I'm saying it's not a good fit for us. Right. And sometimes I note other nonprofits who are making what I consider partnerships that do not reflect um, well on them. So that building of a brand is, it's not just words. It's terrifically important for a nonprofit to be proud of who they do business with, who their supporters are. Because the other thing is, years ago, my husband, my late husband said to me, you know, what do you want uh, as far as your your funders are concerned. What's the profile? What kind of a person, you know, do you want to attract? And I said, you know what? I want to do business with nice people. I want to do business with people who aren't interested in promoting themselves and their giving, but are interested in being of service. And I will tell you that that, decision, which, trust me, was totally inspired. I didn't read a book and I didn't do a big study on a business plan, was the wisest thing ever. Because nice people, Jay, attract nice people. And the result, the fruits of their labor are exceptional. Mm -hmm. And that's why we were able to have 55 only 55 individuals, foundations, or corporations who raised all that money for us. That's so good. They're all good people, and many of them have been with us from day one. So good. So am I? Am I? Yeah, you're hitting it, and I want to. Am I hitting it? You I'm, are. I'm, you are. I want to break big, in here a little bit. It's a big bit. subject. It's a big subject. It, it I mean, is. It branding, is. fundraising, all that. I mean, that's you know, yeah, it is that's a, a weak summit. <laughs> right. I, I want to break in here a little bit. So I'm at this event. Right. I'm at this event. I see a potential uh, someone there. I don't know who they are, but I'm doing what you're encouraging me to do. And I'm going to I'm going to engage them. I'm going to I'm going to do less talking. What what do I say? Well, how do I start to how do I begin to understand what their interests are? Just kind of just act like we're having a conversation. I'm a potential person at an event and you're going to come up and you're going to talk to me. What do you say? I think that that the first thing, you know, of course, obviously, you introduce yourself, you find out, you know, what they do, what you do, um, and uh, every good nonprofit um, has a um, an elevator speech. Mm-hmm. Quick, uh, what do you do? I, you know, I work for. I have a nonprofit in the city of Houston. We serve low-income job-ready women in the greater Houston area, uh, including women of all ages who are ready to begin their professional journey, whether they're unemployed, they're recent graduates, they're veterans, mothers, or they might be all of the above. Okay, so I've hit the little key points of dress for success. More often than not, let me tell you what they pick up on. 
veterans. I had no idea you helped veterans. Mm. Talk to me about that. You have an entry. You have a question from them. Yep. That allows you to say, did you serve? As a matter of fact, I did. I was, I was in the Marine Corps. I was the only female um, in our unit. I did it. You've got to find a way to connect. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then you can go on. You know, uh, if, you know, if they ask questions, once once the woman that we serve receive a suit, our journey begins with first impressions, which is a program designed to prepare women for interviews. Um, it's very important for them to go through these interview trainings because first impressions in just 60 seconds um, are of utmost importance. So you, you put something else out there. Really, you do... First impressions, I mean, you do, I just thought Dress for Success gave people a suit. I can then say, absolutely, in 1998, uh, we put a woman in a suit, patted her on the back and said, goodbye, good luck. But now, you know, we partner with a local organization called Job Search. Together, we offer weekly workshops for these women. Um, They include classes like Microsoft Office Training, interview tactics, LinkedIn, resume work, workshops. You know, you're enthusiastic about what you do, mm-hmm. which piques the curiosity. And at the end, you know, I say to them, I'd love to give you a tour. And trust me, once they come for a tour of Dress for Success, the ask is easy. Mm-hmm. More often than not, they say, what can I do to get involved? So, it's it's more being knowledgeable about what you do mm-hmm. and how it might connect with them. Yeah. And that's because what I see sometimes, Jay, is people make the ask too early. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't, you know, I, I can remember one gentleman, I, I'll never forget this. Um, and it was, um, uh, it was a similar nonprofit uh that they were trying to start up for men. And I was helping uh, as best I could uh, establish this. And I'll never forget one of the board members. So I was already helping, okay? I'd already gotten them $10,000. I'd already gotten them space. um, And I met him and he said to me, what can you do for us? Oh, really? And I, I backed off really quickly, and and I said, you know, well, tell me about your organization. And I, of course, I knew about the organization, but it, it, you know, I wasn't going to say, well, I've already done this, this, and this, and this. But it's an example of offending people, right? Because you've shown no interest in them or what they are interested in. And some people use the tactic and it's, and it's very unsuccessful in my mind in trying to make people feel guilty Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if they don't get engaged and it's not going to be successful. Yeah. You talk about a do not, that's a huge do not. 
Folks, this is so good. Nancy, I could let you go on all day. Let me do this summary real quick, and you correct me on anything that I I didn't get correct here. Speak at events. Be present at events, I think, was a a point that I wanted to highlight. Uh, Talk about their needs. What do they they need? Time back to what Nancy said earlier. Do less talking uh, and more listening. Be present. Um, and, and that is a part of your brand, being mindful of who you're partnering with and not um, partnering with someone that may not be a good fit just for the purpose of making money. Um, that can actually be part of the reason why you may not be able to raise money. Uh, be aware of people's interests. Um, what do they like? What are their interests? Find that key point. Have an elevator speech. If you don't have an elevator speech about your organization, you need to stop the stop listening to this right now and get that done. Absolutely, absolutely. And and then uh, the other thing is time the ask. It's about relationship. It's about building relationships, getting to know people. And when you do that and not do like this gentleman um, who who knows, hopefully he's learned from this, uh, who says, what can you do for me? People are interested in, they will get involved. If you have something that is worthwhile and you are, you are communicating, you're providing that vision and you're doing the things that Nancy has shared with you today, it will happen. Let it happen as it naturally should. My God, I could go on about this. And Nancy, thank you so much. I had to, I had to dig in there um, because that was such, such good stuff. And obviously that's your genius talent. And as you noted, so many nonprofits are not able to extend their reach because they don't have the funds to meet the basic stuff. And then from there, move on to program development. You know, it's hard to generate good ideas when you're just trying to figure out how to pay the bills, right? Um, exactly. It is. It's very challenging. Very challenging. Oh, my goodness. I always say nonprofit work is not for the faint of heart. No, it is not. No, it is not. Well, Nancy, you've given us so many good nuggets. And, and I want to enter into our last section here. We call this our rapid fire uh, section. And we're going to talk a little bit more about leadership because, again, we're always trying to provide the leaders that tune into the show, their aspiring leaders. Here are some nuggets you can take home and actually do some things with. And so I want to get into that. So can you tell us, Nancy, what are the two skills? And you, you may have hinted at some of these things, but I want to pin these up a little bit uh, that you believe are needed to be successful as a nonprofit leader. You have to be compassionate and you have to be passionate. Awesome. Share one or two tactics you use to attract others with great talent to be a part of what you're doing. I make it fun. Make it fun. If you could talk to your younger self and give little Nancy any piece of advice, what would you tell her? I would say don't be afraid be afraid. And is there one book that you've read that has had a lasting impact on the way you approach your work? You know, it's not a book that I've read, but I, I just happened, I, I mean, I've read a number, a, a number of books, but I did have an experience just a week ago, um, have a mentee at University of Houston in the School of Entrepreneurship, and we were invited to a taping of... Um, Brene Brown, uh, who is uh, a professor at U of H uh, and a quite renowned author who has just developed a leadership program uh, based on courage and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I heard her speak last 
Monday. And I would encourage anyone who's interested in leadership in the nonprofit world or beyond to go to uh, Brene Brown uh, TED Talk Texas and listen to it. It's 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 one of the best 20 minutes you'll spend. Perfect, guys. No worries. We will have that link up up on Nancy's show notes page. And so head over to faithfactorimpact.com, search for Nancy's show notes page, and it will be there for you to review. Nancy, fast forward to, to January 2018. What does a success look like for you and Dress for Success? In uh, 2018, I am hoping that the agency will be in a position where I can step back and um, look at planned giving, um, some more visionary pieces, uh, and that it will be time for the next generation to step in leadership roles and continue and expand um, services uh, as well as really drive up the use of social media. Nice. So, Nancy, we always like to end the show with a call to action. Is there one thing, one action you would like to encourage our listeners today to take, say in the next two weeks, to make an impact in their community? What would that be? I think maybe to, for many of us um, to look back where you came from and see how many people have you brought along with you. Um, if it's one, if it's two, if it's dozens, um, it doesn't really matter. But what does matter is if you have not brought anybody along with you, don't waste another day. Mm. Not a handout. It's a hand up, I'm suggesting. So good. And Nancy, where can we go to learn more about you and the work you do? Uh, Dress for Success, dfshouston.org. Uh, is our local website, and we have lots of videos and lots of uh, testimony from our clients, our volunteers. Uh, we have a, um, a visual tour of our facility, and we encourage everybody to take a look. We know you'll be impressed, and we hope you're interested. Awesome. Folks, we say all the time, the difference between the you now and the you later are the people you meet and the books you read. And you've been listening to Nancy Levicki and Jay Everline. Nancy, I'm so excited to have had you on the show. You shared some valuable uh, information and insights today. And so we applaud you. Thank you, Jay. Everybody, when you have a chance, head over to faithfactorimpact.com to access the show notes page and all the references and resources during today's episode. And as always, folks, until next time, let's go make an impact.